The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Let's talk about personal trading secrets, the topic of dating. Now, we all know someone who has met their person on Match, right? Match believes the most important relationship is with yourself. So in a world where you can choose to do anything or anyone, choose you first. Because dating someone who knows what they want and won't settle for less, that's truly just sexy as hell. And you know what's also sexy as hell? No pressure for states. Match's latest study of over 5,000 U.S. singles reveals that while the cost of being single has skyrocketed in the past 10 years, more singles are looking to ditch the white tablecloth and opt for easy, frill-free dates, which is something we love on Trading Secrets. Have a good time, make a personal impact, and save a couple bucks. Now, let me throw you some statistics. 84% of singles say they prefer a casual first date. For example, doing activities on a date, going somewhere close to home to save on gas, eating a home-cooked meal for eating in a restaurant, just meeting a date for coffee or drinks, or going to an inexpensive restaurant. If you do you, you already know the best relationships show up when you show up for yourself first. And there's never been a better time to try Match. Download the Match app today. It's a no-brainer. And when you're going on a date, think about the pennies and cents. Because more people than not would prefer the casual first date. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets, and thank you so much for joining us. Whether you're a first-time listener or you are part of the Money Mafia, we appreciate you being here. Now, if you haven't been to Trading Secrets, every single episode, what we do is we ring in the bell with our main guest, and then we have a recap at the end where we have the voice of the viewer come on and ask all the questions he was curious about during the interview. Well, this interview is a lot different, and that's why I have an intro. It's different because we have The Bachelor, the one the only Clayton as our guest. But for the first time ever, we have Clayton join us in the recap. We have never had a main segment guest join us in the recap. Why did we do it? Well, we did it because this interview for the first time ever was live. It was live at Adweek Conference in New York City. Now, Adweek Conference is every year in New York City where leaders in marketing, advertising, media, and tech cover to share all ideas, discuss issues, and celebrate the latest innovations that drive the industry forward. And there are all different speakers throughout the week. And Clayton and I had the pleasure of doing a Trading Secrets podcast live at Adweek. Now, there are like Gary V spoke there, Kevin O'Leary spoke there, a lot of people that have come on the podcast were speaking there. So it was such an honor to speak and have the 100 plus people in the room. And it was really cool because every single chair was filled. So when I ring in the bell with the main segment, you're going to hear Clayton and I, and sometimes we're interacting with the crowd. So that is why, but we are live in New York City in Adweek. And let me tell you, this is an episode you can't afford to miss. We talk about Clayton's journey in the NFL, Med sales, The Bachelor, After The Bachelor. And if I had to put one theme to this entire interview, it's the public financial misconception of what you think the reality is. But the truth is spoken. And the truth is spoken from Clayton. So if you're joining us, please remember to always give us five stars. 
in the Apple reviews. Let us know what guests or topics we need to cover. We watch it and make sure you tag your Instagram because we may be reaching out to you for more help, feedback, and insight. But without further ado, let's ring in the opening bell live from New York City Adweek with Bachelor Clayton. Well, welcome to a live episode of Trading Secrets. Before I get into the episode, I'm going to tell you what it is and I'll give you a little background about myself. So my name is Jason Tardick. I grew up in Buffalo, New York. Big Bills fan. Any Bills fans here? All right. How about Yankees? Do we have any Yankees fans? Huge win. All right. I love that. I shit you not. My manager's over there. I swear to God, he snuck into Steinbrenner's suite last night at the Yankees game. Him, Kelly, and Peter to give you some bachelor context. So that's how you know you got a good manager when he ends up in Steinbrenner's suite. But a little bit about me, I was a corporate soldier. I was like climbing the ladder, you tell me where to go, how to go, I will be there. I moved from New York to Seattle, I relocated ah, probably five times, got promoted seven times in 10 years. And I got burnt out and I did the most conventional thing a millennial would do when they get burnt out, I went on a sabbatical. <laughs> that sabbatical ended up being a reality dating television show. One girl, 30 guys, came in third place, got dumped right before Fantasy Suites, and then I went back to work. And of course, Bachelor Nation, we like to stay tight. I ended up meeting my now fiance in a podcast, Caitlin Bristow, a former Bachelorette, Dancing with the Stars winner. Sounds like you guys know her, she's a beauty. And my life kind of took a, a turn. And then I built this social media platform, quickly learned, that with all my MBA and accounting and career navigation, finance background, the shit we need to know every day as it relates to pay transparency, career advancement, entrepreneurship, just navigating life, we're not taught in the classroom. So I created a bunch of things. I wrote a book called The Restart Roadmap. But one thing I did was I created this podcast called Trading Secrets. Started about a year ago. We have over 3 million downloads on our way to 4 million. We've had some big business tycoons like Mark Laurie, who owns the Minnesota Timberwolves. We've had A-Rod on, Gary Vee on, Kevin O'Lear. A lot of speakers you see here have been on our show. And what we talk about is where people make money, how much they make, what they did when they failed, how they navigated out of it. Because behind every dollar is a lesson I feel is greater than what we're taught in the classroom. So today's gonna be a live episode. It's gonna be with Clayton, former bachelor right here. Give a round of applause for Clayton. We're gonna get into the episode just like we're doing a, a normal podcast. So we're gonna do our best to engage with you, but we're also gonna be speaking about his entire direction. We're gonna save about five, 10 minutes for questions at the end. So this is gonna be a very accelerated podcast. If you have questions, we urge you to scan the code Put any question you have in, I will tell you whether it's life, money, career, or even The Bachelor, we're both open to answering anything. So thank you guys for being here. And with that being said, I'm going to get right into the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. Today, I am joined by the 26th and most recent leading man from ABC's The Bachelor, Clayton Eckert. Clayton's season aired earlier this year and was instantly looked as one of the more shocking, controversial, and entertaining seasons on record. Even through craziness that ensued throughout his season and in the media, Clayton acknowledged the areas of experience that he could have handled better. He took ownership and since has applied that to his everyday life and his professional, which we'll get into. Clayton's life and career outside The Bachelor, both pre and post show, has been a full variety of experiences 
with very lucrative earnings. This man right here was an NFL player, a medical sales rep, reality TV star, and now health and wellness coach. Clayton has literally done it all, and we're going to get into all sides of that. Clayton, thank you for being here with a live episode of Trading Secrets. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. You're really, oof, man, you're hyping me up right now, so I'm going to try to do my best to deliver, but be transparent because I think there's a lot that people assume, and I kind of want to uh, take those assumptions and more so hammer down what it is exactly that the truth is. I love that. All right. When you look at this audience and you see this crowd, how would you compare this to after the final rose or Mentel off? <laughs> would you say it's a little intimidating, much easier? What would you say? I don't see as many scowls as I did uh, when I was at the Mentel L and AFR. I wasn't exactly liked, so um, I see a few more people smiling. Uh, which makes me feel a little bit better. But I'm in a better headspace too. I mean, I was, I was all over the map during that time. And so much better now. I love that. All right, let's start with your college. So you're in Missouri, yeah. you play football there. Did you get a scholarship? I first walked on. So I had zero offers coming out of high school. So I just thought, well, let me just try to make it at a D1 university. Walked on there as a defensive end and then ended up getting a scholarship my second or third year as a tight end. So did you get a full full ride? Full ride at, from, at, yeah. For your my, junior and senior year, full ride. Correct. So how much debt did you have, student debt? Anybody have student debt out there? A little bit? Yeah, it's prevalent in the United States. How much student debt did you have when you graduated? So I was, yeah, in state at Mizzou. Uh, my parents were uh, gracious enough to help me out a little bit, but I, I walked out with, I think, 27,000 in debt. It wasn't too bad, but I mean, obviously the scholarship helped, but I still had a little bit I had to pay afterwards. Okay, so about 20,000 in debt. You graduate playing D1 ball, and then you get... It's an undrafted deal you got with Seattle. Tell people about what that is. Yeah, so I had interest to potentially be drafted in the NFL. I ended up not getting drafted, so I was brought in for a tryout as an undrafted free agent. Uh, I made the team from there, but most people think that, okay, all of a sudden you sign a contract and there's a difference between a guarantee and a non, and money that's guaranteed and money that's not. And so I signed a three, I think it was a three-year, $1.4 million contract. All my friends are like, oh my gosh, this dude's a millionaire, right? Yeah. Not a single cent of that was guaranteed. So I actually made like just per diem money. I ended up, I think, making from my experience there a couple grand. So it's not what people think. They think, oh, you're, you can type it online and it's very transparent as far as what athletes make, but it's all about the guarantee. So three, you got a three-year deal, 1.4 million. Yeah. You then start practicing with the team? Correct, yeah. And you're paid what to practice with the team? I think it was $1,500 a week. Is an NFL practice player, 1500 bucks. Because I wasn't, a, there's different levels. So I was brought in as a free agent, but then the fall camp before the regular season starts, you get paid that money. And then if you make the active roster, uh, the active roster, they, these guys can make anywhere from 30000 a week up to like, you know, the guys that make $20 million a season. So they have practice squad guys, which will then, you know, throughout the season, they make, I think, right around four fifty five hundred. Okay. But these guys are getting paid by the week. I mean, there were guys that would, make 30,000 one week and they would get cut the next. So like there it's, it's just high turnover. I mean, that's why they say NFL stands for not for long. Interesting. Okay. So for the NFL, if you look at your entire earning history, what is the total amount that you made in the NFL? Five grand, probably five grand. Yeah. And most people think that I played in the NFL. So again, I was there for two months, but they're like, this guy must've made millions. And it's like, no, I, I, did, I was, I was right there. You know, it's like, you're at that cusp. You're like, yeah. just get over this. The big money comes, but but yeah, no, I mean, I end up just 
I got cut right before that all happened. Yeah, most people think, and then me, I'm prepping for hours for this uh, conversation. And I saw the 1.4 million. I was like, you definitely have made a lot of money. I even said it in my intro, actually. So a lot of misconceptions out there. I have an uh, average NFL practice player in a full season. What do you guys think? How much do you think an average NFL practice player makes full season? Take a shot. Anybody want to take a shot? Two mil? 50K, two mil. That's why we do this podcast. <laughs> and then we wonder why we don't know what we should be paid. 207K, average practice player. And then the league minimum for a rookie on an active roster, 705K. So there is a lot of difference uh, in that scale. You get cut. You don't make the NFL. What's your first career play? So I actually was working for a medical sales company right before I got brought in to the camp. So they, they called me, my agent called me, it was on a Saturday, and at the time I just came out of college, I was staying with my parents to pay off my loans. And I got called on a Saturday and he said, do you wanna play for the Seahawks? And I was like, well, I have a job. He's like, well, you'll try out and if you make the team, you're on. I said, okay, and if I don't make it, can you fly me back on Sunday? And I'll just go into work on Monday like nothing happens. You almost, so, wait, wait, wait. You almost didn't take a tryout with the Seahawks because your job? Well, I had, because medical sales, I came out of it from college. I'm like, this wow. is a really great industry. Yeah. I was t told it was incredible and it is. But I was very much just like, okay, I don't know. I, I, at the time, I had a girlfriend, and so I'm like, I need stability. And jumping around on an NFL roster is not exactly that. But it was also because they called me, and I said, okay, I, go, I need to think about it. He goes, you have you know, five minutes to make this decision. you got to get on a flight in the next two hours. Because, again, it's like, if, if not me, there's a next man up yeah. mentality. Someone else will jump in. The NFL calls, Clayton thinks twice. The Bachelor calls, Clayton signs right away. <laughs> I mean, not exactly. I was going to say, there's more thought that went all into that. We'll yeah. get to that. But if someone in this room has an interest or they have a friend that works in medical sales, maybe they want to think about getting into medical sales, what does it look like from a compensation structure? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I looked online, the average rep can make 80, but I knew guys that were making close to a million around the country. So again, it's almost like the NFL as well. There's this, there's this big wide variety of salaries and it come and it's the great thing about it is it's i was 100 percent commissioned so uh with no cap so it was a matter of i could make as much as i was able to sell uh and that's you know for someone who's a go-getter you see a lot of former athletes or people that just thrive in stressful circumstances you know they're, they're they want to be their own boss it gives you a sense of autonomy you know you go in for the surgeries and you help out but outside of that i mean the rest of your day is spent you know how can i build these connections to get my product and more hospitals. Interesting. And what would you say is the biggest trading secret about being a medical sales rep that your everyday individual would not know about that industry? I just, I think a lot of people were shocked that I was actually in on the surgeries. Like I was there in there with my products, helping surgeons make decisions. And again, I mean, these guys are incredible. They went through all these years of schooling, but you know, I was the master of my product. So I was there to tell them features. And if they went with, there was something wrong, if they opened up the patient, the bone quality was poor, whatever it might be, it's now there's a pivot point. Okay, hey, Clayton, this person doesn't have the bone quality we thought they did. So what products do you have to add additional stability? So there was this, you know, was this trust between surgeon and rep. And I think a lot of people were shocked that I was in the OR actually as you know, a 23 year old <laughs> with the patient on the table. And like, but that's where I had the mindset of everyone that's on the table is a loved one. That's yeah. the way you have to look at it. Because one day my dad did go get his hips done. I'm like, I hope that rep is looking at it the same way that I was. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, sounds like a super rewarding career. Mm -hmm. uh, you're making a huge impact. You can make a couple bucks. So you said low end, people are making 80K and you know some reps making well over a million. Yeah. 
Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, a few. I mean, I would say I, I would say from what I knew, the average for a good successful rep was probably 200 north of 200. Okay. Yeah. Got it. All right. Good to know about that industry. Tell us about the time you're working and you get a call from the Bachelorette. And what was the decision process to either go on the show or continue to work as a rep? Yeah, so I essentially was in a position where, um, you know, I, I was having my quarter life crisis. I hit my 28th birthday and all of a sudden I'm like, I've been doing the same thing for the last five years. I don't feel like I'm really progressing. Uh, I had a senior rep that was going to be retiring in the next few years. So I saw my future right in front of me and I just felt, you know, I want to do something more. I'm not finding what I want from a relationship standpoint here in a college town. And so I started to look at jobs elsewhere and I almost took a job in uh, St. Louis. I actually had the offer in my email and then... I told my boss that I was leaving and he's like, what's the opportunity? I told him, he goes, you don't want that opportunity. Did they tell you that they're losing these surgeons? I was like, no, he goes, they're about to lose all this business. You're walking into a trap. So I went back to them and sure enough, they, they're like, yeah, we're losing them. Why? I was like, you didn't tell me that. They're like, yeah, we did. I'm like, no, no this is not good. But then my job was like, well, are you going to leave? So then there became like this shaky ground underneath me. And meanwhile, they all of a sudden I get a DM from this recruiter saying, do you want to go on the bachelorette? bachelorette? So and they DM'd, that's how you DM'd got me, yeah. found DMs. Yeah, I just like, I made, I made an Check Instagram. Check those DMs, people. Yeah, I made an Instagram like four months prior because no one, all my friends weren't on Facebook anymore. So I was like, gosh, I have to download Instagram now. And uh, so I, I made that and they found me and I thought it was fake. But then at this point, I'm like, well, my current job thinks I'm going to leave. So there's, it's, again, if I'm going to jump, I might as well jump when the ground's shaky underneath me. And so I just started going through the process taking the interviews. I almost got a job in Scottsdale, Arizona, okay. but then I ended up falling short to somebody else. So all that was left was the recruiter still asking for me to come on the show. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, job. well, this is, this is about, this is it, I guess. I guess it's meant to be. And so were you technically unemployed when you went on? No, I still had a job. You still had the job. Yeah, it's okay. just, I mean, my, my company was like, we need you to commit. Yeah. And, I'm, and, I, and I knew at this point, just from an integrity standpoint, I'm like, I know that I don't want to stay here anymore. Yeah. So I don't want to drag them along. So I need to make my decision. May, and one thing about the interview process with The Bachelor, it's crazy. It's like six months long. Oh like I, you go through this like regional in New York City, and then you go through more questions. Then you go to this top 50 in LA, and they do psych tests, and they do blood work. And then I'll never forget when I, I'm doing an in-camera interview, and then they're like, all right, we got to go to this room. And it was kind of like a maze. Like they opened one door, it was a dark room, then another door. You open it. And there's one seat in the middle and there's 30 producers around you. And they just like put you on the hot seat. Jason, I, don't, I, don't know really, what, I don't know what experience you had. I did did not you have not that. have that? <laughs> oh, what the hell? They must have no, knew you were shooting. I didn't get DMs either. They just either. kicked me out there. They said, go for they it, They were man. just like, all right, six foot five NFL The player. less he Check. knows, the better. <laughs> Greasy Buffalo guy. All right, we're going to have to really talk to this guy. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you go through the process. Did your job allow you to keep your job when you went on the show? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I went on the bachelorette and then they, I told my boss and he just laughed and looked at me. He's like, okay. He's like, my wife watches this, so that's kind of funny. She'll, she'll love this. So I went on. That was it. That was, that was he it. He laughed. He said, go. My, my boss is incredible. Uh, he was one of the best. And when the NFL called and I happened to be there in Seattle, I called him on a Sunday. I was like, hey, Matt, how's it going? He's like, it's good, Clayton. He's like, you miss, miss my voice? Why are you calling on a Sunday? I was like, well, I'm in Seattle. I just made the Seahawks expected him to blow up. Yeah. He's like, man, I love that for you. He's like, I hope I never hear from you again. Cause if I do, that means that you're, you have to come back out. and it didn't work out. So we really had different experiences. <laughs> I, I had a very support. I had to write a three page memo that went from my boss to the regional president to the CEO of the bank. 
And this, you know, it's a 60 year old guy. He's like, yeah, I, I met that kid once. I like him. Let him go. And then the director of HR stormed into the office and said, do you know what you just signed off on? And he's like, uh, no. And then they told him they had to reevaluate the whole thing. Then they gave me approval to go. But they said, if you come back and there are any reasons that you might impact reputation, know that you'll be let go. And so fortunately, that didn't happen until a year later. There are reasons I impacted reputation and I was let go. So our, uh, our uh, that's a whole different story. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's not too bad, but we'll, yeah. we'll go, we'll, we'll pause on that. You go on the show. Yeah. Now, are you still being paid by your job when you're on the show? Do you have like vacation time or anything like that? Bachelorette or, or bachelor? From your no, no, no. From your job, do they yeah. giving you like a paid leave of absence? Did you accrue like for me? I had 26 days of vacation. I got to use on the show, and I got paid for those 26 days. After I was on the show more than 26 days, I was no longer paid. Did you get any type yeah. of compensation like that? I was just basically to be kept on payroll. Otherwise, I was going to have to go through the rehire process. Okay. So they were paying me just enough so that I could still be an active employee. Okay. But I mean, it was like, it was next to nothing. It was just enough to, so I don't have to like go back through the process again once I stepped off the show. And all, are all your expenses still staying when you're on the show? Because it's three months of filming. So you're still paying your rent. You're still paying yeah. everything else. Financially, did that have a big impact on you? Uh, I just... My parents did a great job of raising me about them, the power of saving. So I was putting away like 25% of what I was making into okay. like my 401. And then I saved another 20% just like for rainy day funds. So I was putting away so much. So I, I knew I was burning into what I was saving, but yeah. I also had a, enough of a pad to feel comfortable. Got it. So you become, you go on The Bachelorette. And for people that don't know, when, when did you finish? What number were you? Oh, number eight. Yeah, I know that for a fact. Number that, eight. That was, there, was a, there was a big uh, yeah, uprisal about the, when I went out. Okay, so you're number eight, and there wasn't much talk. You're thinking about your next steps. There wasn't much talk about you being The Bachelor, at least publicly. No. And then all of a sudden, Clayton's The Bachelor. And people are like, wait, what? What's going on? Tell me about this. So for you, did you expect to be The Bachelor? And did you go back to work in that time frame from The Bachelorette and then going to take the lead? Yeah, no, I went back to work. Uh, and I also, and absolutely, I, I was as shocked as everybody else. I mean, I, I think it was, I, I honestly was just, my whole goal was like, to go on the show, I thought, okay, I'm going to be able to cast a wider net and I'm going to be able to, someone's going to see me and be like, oh, this guy's in middle of nowhere, Missouri. I like him. I'm going to reach out to him on social media. That was my thought of going on The, the Bachelorette. Was like, you know, so I could find a relationship, settle down, be happy. Because my job was good. Again, I made decent money. And then I just thought, you know, I got there night one. First guy I saw was six foot eight, eight. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm out night one for sure. How do you think I So, yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm definitely getting knocked out. So I thought I'd make it a few nights at least. And then uh, made it farther than I thought and had a really great experience and walked out of there like very happy. I met a lot of great people, learned a lot about myself. But yeah, just then just went, well, at that point, then I started having discussions internally. And so I knew when I went back to work that there was the possibility that I could be brought back as The Bachelor, but I wasn't the only person being interviewed. Okay, let me ask you this. I know the contract inside and out. I don't want to get you into legal trouble. This question will not get you into legal trouble. Did you make more when you signed to be The Bachelor being compensated by ABC, or did you make more in one year medical sales work at the rate you were working? I made more medical sales. Okay. Yeah, I think everybody, I've, again, people thought I became a millionaire from the show. It's like, no, that's not the case. Not like, the case. They, you don't get paid as much as people think. Got bad money. It's just yeah. not, well, I was making more in medical sales. You get off the show. 
And then you have this social media platform and you're getting called to do all these things from a work and compensation standpoint, were you making more post-show with everything going on than you were as a medical sales rep? No, much less. Much less. So there was, uh, again, I heard in the past that people come off the show and it depends if you're you know, a woman or a man, like there, there's a big discrepancy there as far as how much people are making. I came off the show, I was getting a couple ad deals, but I mean, making substantially now less, which that then drove my anxiety up through the roof because I was told I was going to be, you know, they're like, you want, you know, you want to work a seven to three anymore. And I was like, okay. So I started to believe it. I'm like, this is great. I'll be able to do whatever I want comfortably. And it was anything but comfortable. I, I stepped off the show. I'm like, oh my gosh, like no, nothing's coming in. And I don't know. I think it's just the day and age things are transitioning. I think people are getting tired of influencers and uh, to some degree. And so, and the opportunities just aren't where they used to be at the height of the show a year ago or okay. two years ago. Whenever interesting, it was. interesting, interesting. So everyone that comes off the show has different scenarios and stories. And like you said, it has a huge impact on when you come off the show. For you, what was next? Did you say, I'm going to go back to medical sales rep? And where are you today professionally? What are you, what's going on? Yeah. Um, so my then girlfriend at the time, uh, Susie from the show, she said, you know, hey, you should chase your passions. What are you passionate about? I said, well, I like, I, I like to talk about mental health because I've been talking about this back since I started opening up about it in college to my friends and all that as far as with body dysmorphia and then how that caused a lot of depression, anxiety in my life. So I was like, okay, I want to do something with mental health. I'm not sure what that looks like. And then I also thought, okay, I like physical fitness. Like that helped me as well tremendously establish more self-confidence in myself. So I thought, okay, I want to do something in that realm. So I decided that I was going to give back by with utilizing my platform through creating workout plans and selling them. Cool. And I thought, okay, I have 300,000 you know, 300, fans and our, you know, followers. And I said, if I can get, um, you know, a few people to buy these programs for 30 bucks, I'm, I can make an honest living. So I, I spent a month, I built my website myself, which in hindsight, I should have just paid someone else to do it. I spent so much time, it turned out terrible, but it was something. But I ended up like, I ended up launching it after a month and a half, I sold two programs, 30 bucks, uh. made $60. And I panicked and I was like, I'm going back to corporate. Cause I knew that I could go back to a six figure con- like salary, just like that in, in, in medical sales. And so I was like, I'm going right back. Sure. Like, I panicked and she was like, no, Clayton, did you really do all that you could? And I was like, I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, well, look at all the other people out here that have made a successful career. Like, does your page look like theirs? You know, she kept telling me, copy genius. Like, whatever works, go follow that script. So I went back through a second time. So thankful that I did. And like, that's why I'm so thankful for her in my life. Because even though we're not together now, like, I needed that push from someone to yeah. say, hey, like, take a deep breath, do more, try it again. Don't just quit after the first time. Yeah. So I went back in the second time. And then I, you know, upped my offering from the you know, the 30 bucks to like 165 or whatever and with a contract in place for, and then I ended up bringing like 70 people on in three wow. weeks. And so, but I, cause, because I, I did, you know, all of a sudden I switched it up where I started to copy genius. I started looking at other people that had found success and, and it works. So I, um, that's where I'm at today. I, I have virtual training online, but I, then I'm speaking around the country on mental health as well. I'm writing a book. And I'm just, and then possibly I'm getting my real estate license as well. So I just, I'm just trying to find a, an a adequate balance that allows me to kind of do a couple different things, uh, but still chase my passions. We have 150 people here live. Is where can they find the workout plan if they want to? Uh, everything's through my Instagram because I do do not like. As I said, I downloaded Instagram so late in the game. I don't like multiple platforms, so I just go straight on Instagram. And then it's a link in my bio, and it has the online coaching. Amazing. So people can always click into that. Well, congratulations on that success. You do speak about mental health a lot in some of the 
uh, and mental illness that you went through and how you overcame it for your trading secret. Can you leave us with one piece of advice or suggestion as we self-reflect and look into our mental health day to day? Yeah. Yeah, I would say the biggest thing that I've learned is to listen to your inner circle and any, anything outside of that, don't listen to it because it's just external noise. And I lost myself and my way by reading every single comment online. And it, I started to believe that narrative. I, I, everything that was said about me and the death threats I was receiving and tell, people telling me that I'll never find love and I should just crawl in a hole and, you know, just and remove myself from this earth. Like I was getting thousands of messages every day of that with that nature. And I started to believe it. I was like, one comment's one thing, but thousands of comments, you start to believe like, maybe I am this person that everyone thinks that I am. So I learned from this experience that, you know, when I shut that all down and when I went outside and just met, talked to people in the real world, you know, I might've had 10,000 plus negative comments in my DMs, but I've only ever had two people tell me they didn't like me in person. And they were both drunk, so. <laughs> so right about. But I mean, so, you know, some of these people might have not liked me either in person as well. But the, but the whole point that I realized was, you know, if this was actually Caitlin told one of the best pieces of advice I ever got. She, she said, don't go shopping for pain because you always find it. Ooh, and that was one of the greatest bits of advice. She's like, if you shop for pain, if you go online, you will, you will find it. You yeah. type in Clayton Eckerd sucks on Google. Like I'm <laughs> the, key, the way the algorithm works, it's going to find Clayton Eckerd and sucks. And it's going to pull all the things up for it. So she was like, don't do that. Cause it'll always be there. And, and so, yeah, I just, I, that's something I would tell people is like, you have to just build, figure out who your inner circle is and then just only listen to what they're saying because they know who you are. So they're going to give you great advice and honest feedback. Everyone else on the outside doesn't really know who you are. Yeah, and I love that. Yeah, it's, I think my experience, I didn't like the way that I was on TV. Yep. Um, I take full accountability for it. I made a lot of mistakes. I was extremely immature emotionally. So I, it forced me to grow up. I love that. I mean, unbelievable advice. I love copy genius. Stay close to your inner circle. And I love the credit you gave Susie for pushing you. Yeah. We just had uh, Miguel Cervantes on yesterday. He's the lead for Hamilton right now. He plays Alexander Hamilton. He was in New York City trying out for Broadway shows. He went back to Dallas because he couldn't make it. And it was a woman in his life he was dating that was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, get the skill you have. You're in Dallas. Get your ass back up there. He's like, yeah. my relationship didn't work out. But she gave me the motivation to get back out here. And here I am as Alexander Hamilton. Absolutely. Um, and so I think like anyone out there and for your instance, you never know who's going to come your way to push you. Look for it. See it because it can make an unbelievable impact on what's next. Clayton, thank you so much for being a guest on Trading Secrets. And thank you guys for being here. We do have a few minutes. If you have any questions, we will go through them. We do have one that came in here. Do you think The Bachelor helped you be a bit better businessman? You want to add? Answer. I'm going to take this. So for me, it did. You know, my, my skill set's all analytics. The Bachelor, when you get this platform, it really helps you dive into creative and marketing. And just like Clayton said about his app, his first app sucked. He got shitty results. His second app killed it. The biggest thing about having a platform, whether you have one person or 10 million people following you, it's instant beta testing. You can put an idea out there and get instant results. You can go put a poll. I do it for my book all the time. Give me input. I get instant results. You could do it too. With one follower, you can get insight that can help you drive your next decision making. So I think so. Who is someone unexpected in Bachelor Nation that impresses you? I'm not just saying this, but Caitlin. Yeah, I mean, I think Caitlin really shocked me as much as she reached out to after the show. She was checked in so often because she knew what I went through. Like it was one of the few people that had went through that experience and she 
constantly would, would, would send me messages, just encouragement saying, Hey, let's talk. Even on the show, I had a, I had a, we, we met and then she like pulled me aside yeah. off camera and we talked for about 30 minutes. So very, very impressed by, by her and how much she truly does care. And pe- I people. love it. I love it. I will tell her you said that I'm going to go with grocery store. Joe, do you guys know grocery store? Joe, he also came on the pot beauty. Didn't realize he didn't go to college, became a day trader. And one, in some days he was making like 40, 50 K a day. Other days, he was losing 20 to 30K a day. He ended up working his portfolio up to millions, lost every penny. Lost every penny. His dad knocked on his door and said, wake up at 5 a.m. You're coming to sell vegetables and and, and, and produce with me. And then he went to make 20 bucks an hour. And that's how he got in the grocery store business. The rest is history. Did you think your life would change in the way it did after The Bachelor? No, everyone, I've, I've heard a lot of people say this, like, you, you know what you signed up for, and that's couldn't be farther from the truth. You have no idea, like, what's going to happen. I know, I thought, I was like, I thought I was a good person generally, so I figured, you know, if you're a good person, you'll be portrayed that way. I was portrayed the way I was portrayed, and, and so ultimately, I was like, okay, I have to now be reactive, but at the end of the day, today, I mean, I'm happier than I've ever been because I've been able to find the silver lining, even in the most negative of circumstances. So my life has changed, but it's everything that I've went through happened for a reason. And I'm ultimately thankful for it. It's an amazing story from the NFL to med sales device, to going on The Bachelor, to becoming The Bachelor, now to the journey you are uh, creating. It's amazing. Keep impacting people. And thank you for being on this episode, Trading Secrets. Thank you so much, Shay. Round of applause for Clayton. Ding, ding, ding. We are closing in the bell on the Clayton episode. And let me tell you guys, this was an episode like no other. We were live. We now have David here with us. Who, who He's going to act like he was actually in the audience, and he's going to act like he could have asked as many questions as he wanted at the end of this. And unlike any episode before, the one, the only, the guest, Clayton, came back to join us. So we've never had a main guest in the recap, but we felt that after 30 minutes, we needed to have more Clayton. It just wasn't enough. So Clayton is here with us in the recap. David is with us to be the one, the only, the voice of the viewer, but in this case, the voice of the audience. And wow, we covered a lot there, David, right? We talked about Clayton's 5K total in the NFL after signing the $1.3 million deal. I loved the NFL breakdown, not for long. 207K is an average practice player. We talked about the league minimum. I like that he said that he almost didn't take the Seahawks tryout because of medical sales. I mean, we covered a lot and even the misconceptions about what you can make after The Bachelor. Like if I had to summarize the conversation in one theme with Clayton being here, I would say it aligns with like these financial misconceptions and discrepancies of what people assume things are, but the reality behind it. And I think this is the first episode we've actually really had someone talk about, like the public perception of what is versus what was. And so that was a beautiful thing. And Clayton, thank you for being here. David, thank you for being here. Let's get into the closing bell. It's great to have Clayton here. And I think you hit the nail on the head, whether it was NFL practice player contracts, whether it was medical device sales contracts whether it was influencers or anything that you talked about, the audience was off on all of them. And like you said, it's the exact premise of the podcast. So I thought the live podcast was a great kind of switch up. Uh, The energy seemed really good. It was great to have you guys in person. So my first question that I got to say, I'm going to start on the NFL front, actually. Sports guy myself. I got to ask, Clayton, first off, when you said five grand, I spit out my coffee. I couldn't believe that that is only and I, only the amount that you made because like you said the misconception of the contract and all the friends and people thinking that you're rich 
but I'm not going to switch from the money and go from the football as a, a sports fan. Did you get to meet Russell Wilson? And is he as cringy as expected in person? Yes, I did get to meet him, and I thought he was the most down-earth individual. Uh, I have nothing but good things to say about him. Uh, right when I made the team, he came up to me right right after the tryout. He said, hey, Clayton, glad to have you. Let's get to work. So, I mean, the fact that he even took his time to, right when I just made it, I had literally just tried out. And, and from that point forward, he would just make casual conversation. I did a little freestyle rapping. Uh, that was my my thing back in the day. So I started to rap for the, the team and him, he made a few comments about that as well. So I thought he guys got along with him really well. Again, I was only there for six weeks or eight weeks. So you can only learn so much about somebody in a short period of time. But I had no issue. I didn't think he was cringy. I thought he was just like anybody else. Could you drop one line from your freestyle <laughs> rapping career? Maybe two? <laughs> I, the line that I could think of was so vulgar. Uh, at the time, I had an, a girlfriend and she said, Clayton, I swear if this gets out, uh, you and I are going to have to have a talk because I told her the line and she was like, that is not professional. I said it wasn't, but I, I blacked out mentally when I said it. It got a great response from the crowd, but I would freestyle rap about all the things I heard in rap songs and they were pretty uh, explicit. So, you know, I I, I can't really repeat the lines these days. All right, we'll, we'll give you the pass on that. I think that's a great training <laughs> secret to get. And, you know, Clayton, I have been following your TikTok career. It is, you're pretty entertaining on the TikTok. You threw a little freestyle raps in there. I think uh, I think that's what the people might want there. But, you know, that's, that's interesting to hear about Russ because uh, I'm from Vancouver originally, so I watch a lot of Seahawks games. Obviously, uh, he did some amazing things there. Maybe the $250 million has gotten to his head because I know a lot of that, like you said, is guaranteed of his 250 million. Maybe things are a little different there. So interesting to know about Russ. My next question, I'm going to pivot to the bachelorette and the bachelor. I have to talk about it. Jay, you mentioned it on stage, your audition and meetings you had to have leading up to being on the bachelorette was crazy. I was, I remember being along every part of the way with you during that process. Clayton, you got a DM. And when Jay brought it up on stage, you said, my experience was nothing like that. If I was in the audience, my hand would have been sky high saying, what was yours like? Tell me, because I know Jay's was hell and back. So tell me about just to get on The Bachelorette, not The Bachelor, but just The Bachelorette. Yeah, uh, everything was virtual. So I got the original DM, then I hopped on a phone call. Then I just did, I think, four rounds of Zoom interviews. And I think that was it. From what I remember, it was just uh, each time there seemed to be more and more than by like the last couple, there were about 10 people in the Zoom with me, uh, higher ups that again, I, I I only really met at that point. And that was it, you know, the behind the scenes making the masterminds. And so uh, I met them and, and then that was it. And then they, then they basically just said, Hey, we'd love to do this. And uh, are you are you on board? So it, it was only it was all virtual and about maybe four to five interviews from what I recall. And this was kind of not peak COVID, but right around COVID time. Is that why Zoom was the main method? Yes, it was 2020, I guess, one, I think July of 2021. Yeah. So I think we were still, you know, with COVID was still was still hot. And, and it was a matter of uh, I think they told me that typically they fly people out. But in this case, uh, they weren't due to COVID protocols. I'll never forget Jason. And I don't know if he's gone into more depth of what he had to do, but he had to go to New York for one audition. He had to go to LA for another. It was absolutely bananas. You know how Jay is. I mean, he's just like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe I'm doing this. The guy had to get a needle for blood testing and he hates needles more than anything. And he's like, if I'm getting a needle, I'm doing this thing because this is like, he couldn't believe that he was doing it. 
That was the turning point, huh? It was the the needles. Okay. Well, hey, whatever you gotta do to convince yourself. So I uh yeah, it, it well, it's tough too, because you're like, well, what am I doing? That's that's the yeah. question you ask right away. You're like, what am I doing? Is this actually gonna happen? Uh, am I really gonna move forward with this? So I'm sure he can attest to that as well, that especially being in corporate America and all of a sudden thinking, ah, you know what, I'm going to just take a left turn here. But uh, you're basically spinning in circles. You're not taking a little average left turn. You just completely go off the grid. So uh, it's it's quite the mental hoop to jump through. Yeah, I'll, I'll even jump in here, David. It, it got so crazy for paradise when I almost went on paradise. I went because I wasn't sure yet if I was going to go on paradise. I got the contract. I signed the contract and they're like, listen, I know you're not sure, but if you want to go, it's going to have to happen quick. So if you want to go, you got to go get your blood work. So that's how serious I was about actually going on paradise that I even did the blood test and still said no to paradise. So anyway, that process was crazy. Wait, well, now, Clayton, paradise ever dot 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 question mark. Uh, I don't use absolutes in my life, but I would love to be settled down before that. I'm not really actively searching, I guess, for a relationship, so I never really know. But I, I think where I'm at currently, what I'm working on, I'm very happy and pleased with it, and it's taking up the majority of my day. So uh, to take that and sidestep, I, I as of right now, it doesn't sound appealing. I, I don't know if that will change, but it just as of now, I'm not considering it. Yeah, because I, I think on this podcast, just to stay true to like what we do, I, I could care less about like the bachelor drama of you going on Paradise. I don't really even want to talk about that. I'd be more more uh, like inclined to know about exactly what you just alluded to, which is like, is could, could your the trajectory you want your career to be, and could you take you know two three months off to go film right now, based on all the things that you got going on? Like, do you even see that as a possibility? Yeah, I mean, I do have the freedom at this point. I'm not tied to a seven to three or nine to five. Uh, I, I work online with clients, training them. I do have someone that I work with that could take over that load. Uh, the other things that I'm doing or hoping to do, speaking around the country on mental health, these these things I could schedule around. So there is that freedom at the moment. I mean, I am also getting my real estate license, so I don't know how much time that will take. If I do part-time or full-time, I'm just getting it. And then once I sign on with an agency I'll, uh, or broker, then I, I can make that decision. But as of right now, I have the freedom to be able to kind of jump around. Yeah. One question I'm going to ask is if I was in the audience and I could follow back up and then David will kick it back to you. But about the social, I think one of the biggest things, especially on this show is we've had CEOs of social media agencies come on. We've had a ton of people from Bachelor Franchise come on. I could think of Dean right off the top of my head, Kelly Flanagan, Pilot Pete, and a lot of uh, grocery store Joe. And a lot of them talk about the success they've had with social media and how it's like changed their lives. And so what I really loved is the, how you talked about the financial misconception. You're like, I don't know if it was timing. I don't know what it was, but what I was told is out there is not what I saw. And I just want to kind of follow up on that. Has that changed? What's your take on it? And why do you think that is that the social media monetization wasn't what you had heard it was in the past and that there is a misconception from when you came off the show? Yeah. So I'm glad you brought this up because I, I didn't want to make it seem that I'm like, oh, guess what? No opportunities from here on out. I think it's, it's, multifactorial. It depends on the individual. I have a very unique circumstance because my whole season in itself was just unique. Uh, I was not liked for the actions that I took, rightfully so. And that plays a big part of it is uh, if you come off the show and you are not liked, 
guess what part, you know, companies don't want to associate with you. So I think that had something to do with it. And in fact, I remember talking to some companies and they just fell off the map when they kind of went into detail and saw that, okay, he's the bachelor, but then they kind of dug a little deeper and said, Oh, whoa, he's got a, you know, shaky, you know, his comments, people are ripped tearing into him. And these companies see that on social media. So they say, well, we don't want to be associated with this. If all of his, his, uh, you know, comments on his pages are are negative. So I think I took a hit in that regard. Uh, I will say that I know my friends that had really great edits were perceived very well or re- and received by the public very well in high regards. Uh, they also, though, aren't making a ton of money. But again, I think this also is, you know, these are men. I know women that are doing very well still. So I think there's also that, and that plays into, I think, again, the products and the audience that watches the show. 97% of people that follow me are women. So more likely the women I think are doing better uh, with brand deals because they're pushing products that their audience, who's 97% women can relate to. And so I think if you're relatable, you do very well financially. And I think that because I, being a man that, that kind of strikes it down a little bit on top of that, though, not being liked by my audience that follows me, I think that's where people can't relate. They don't want to associate. Therefore, they don't want to support the, you know, my, my online endeavors as an influencer. And so uh, I also think people are just kind of getting burnt out because the show's turning so much, so many new contestants, and they're all pushing the same products and it floods everyone's feed. And they're like, I'm tired of seeing the same thing. So I think that's a big part of it as well. A year or two ago was the height of it when everyone was so excited and, uh, you know, the show did so great. It's still doing okay, but it's not at the peak, the pinnacle. And I think people are just getting burnt out. So uh, I think that's where there's the opportunities are starting to dwindle because there's just so many of us in Bachelor Nation at this point. I mean, so many shows happen in here and they're already looking to for the next Bachelorette. Uh, or I think they found it. I just saw recently, but they're looking for men. So it's just this constant churn of people. I think people just kind of get a little burnt out, but all the other factors I consider set it as well. It's very unique and specific to me. So what happens to me might not happen to the next bachelor. Uh, like Zach, he might do very well on social media. Interesting. Yeah. So just one quick comment and then David, I'll kick it to you. I could tell you're, you're like, you're about to bite your tongue off. You want to respond. Here's what I, you know, my take on that would be the following. I would say one of the things you said, I totally agree with. I think people have so much control over how they manage and how they strategize in social media and how they monetize, right? Like there could be someone with 300,000 followers that can absolutely murder it on social media based on the way that they are gaining information and posting and using a strategist and their editing and their groups and all the community they built, et cetera. And then there could be someone with 300,000 followers that doesn't make a penny. So I want to say that there is a ton of controllables. However, I really do want to say that to your point, if you take two people that have the same controllables they're executing, so they're doing the same things you could do to really be the best in social media, and they come from Bachelor Nation, and one person has 300,000 followers and they are a male, and the other is 300,000 followers and they are female, and they're all doing the same exact thing, the female should, based on all the numbers I've seen over the years, the female at a minimum, at a minimum, should make one and a half times that male based on it everything you said. And that isn't a point. That is a point I wanted to make sure I put out there. And I do agree with David, what do you got? No, this is the next question I was going to ask you guys just both hit on a direct quote that Clayton said, like people are getting tired of influencers and the opportunities are not what they used to be at the height of the show. I think that I was going to ask if you agree or disagree, Jason, you've obviously touched on it. The show itself, the bachelor, I don't think you can disagree on it. I think that 
there are people are turning their attention to like-minded shows like the bachelorette that are outperforming them take a love island take a too hot to handle take a all those shows where they're still getting that opportunity. But I think Clayton, you hit the nail on the head. Like it was, it was your edit and, and your likability after the show, which at the end of the day, I'm a fan of the show. I've watched way too many seasons that I'm proud to admit. I always felt bad for you. I think that you got into what you were because you're just too nice of a guy sometimes. And uh, you know, it, it, it kind of made you an easy target for them, but you know, hearing your, what you've been through and how you've overcome it, where you're at. Like, I just, I needed to have the opportunity to say, like, I felt it while you're going through it. And, uh, I'm really happy to see where you are mentally now. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, uh, I'm in a lot better spot now. And I think again, I, I don't, I got no, no, nothing bad to say about the show at this rate. Uh, I'm chasing my passions. The show has afforded me that, that luxury to do so. Uh, do I make a crazy killing financially? No, but I make enough money to be comfortable enough to continue chasing what I want. Uh, and one last thing I just wanted to jump on to, uh, Jason, you mentioned it. Uh, if two people have 300,000 followers in their equivalent, the also it's the quality of the content that's going to be a deciding factor. I don't think I'm that great of an influencer. I just truthfully don't. I, I don't typically care for, uh, so I know I see the value in social media. So I'm pushing out, I'm disseminating information, but is my content that aesthetically pleasing? Absolutely not. I mean, I'm probably one of the worst influencers there is from an aesthetic standpoint. So I think that plays a big factor into it, though. If someone looks at your post, are they going to stick around for the first second of the video or are they going to go, nah, I don't like that? And they scroll past it. And that can strictly come down to just how good are you at capturing people's attention? And that's a big different differentiator as well. So. I think that's also playing into why I don't do as well because I'm, you know, I just post what I post. I'm kind of like an old man. I, I figured out <laughs> social media five years behind everybody else and you can tell. So I, love it. It I do want to wrap up with this guys on this topic of social media. Cause I shit you not. And I even said, I shit you not on the live. This just came in. I swear to God, I just got a text that showed up on my computer as we got this. I haven't asked because I just got it. I'm, I have not asked this person if I could share this information that it came from them. So I'm not going to say their name. What I will tell you is this person is not from reality TV. And this person has been on the podcast before. And they are an influencer. And the, one of the reasons they came on the podcast is because early on, they listened to the first episode. Swear to God, this just happened with the uh, social media CEO agency. And he reached out to me. Oh, now I just said it's a he shit. And said that this motivated me. I know I can make more. So that episode was about how people with certain following can make like over, it was like four or 500,000. So he got motivated by that. He started working hard out of nowhere. Haven't heard from this gentleman in, let's look at the last time. Last time we talked was June 2nd at 11.27. We've almost booked a million. We've almost broken a million in book campaigns this year. Largest partnership was around 300K. Figured you'd appreciate this growth growth, hope all as well. Like this just came in. So I, I, and again, no reality TV background, totally different. So I think to your point, to all of our points, like it, it is possible you can do it, but yeah, it's like, and, and that's what people do is they like chirp influencers and like, it's a joke, man. It's a full, if you want to do it right, the quality of your content, the pre-production, all this stuff. I want to give one last shout out to corporate Natalie. Corporate Natalie uh, has been on the podcast. She was a full-time uh, worker in tech she started making like funny videos that like gimmick uh, what people are like on Zooms during the pandemic blew up yesterday. She got announced Forbes 30 under 30 in social media, which I think is so cool. Now, I did one campaign with her with the company Dell, and I've never seen anyone do the work that she's done. I had I felt like I was in a movie. She created a 
full script, what you would say, what the situation is, what the lighting's like. Like literally you would think of whole camera producing crew wrote this. She did it all. And that's how she prepared our video. And our video did well, all because of her. So I think to your point, Clayton, the people that really knock it out of the park, the corporate Natalie's, the app, the, the DM, or the message I just got, these are people that are like all in 24 seven. This is it. Yeah, it's absolutely. And just for context, David, just for context, when Jay got off the show, I was the one trying to filter his photos, and people used to chirp him in the comments that it looked like it got taken off of iPhone three. So that's that's where we were at when he started. The <laughs> I think episode. they said, David. I think they said razor phone. I didn't know how to crop oh, the photo, dude. dude. I would have all the the black in the corners because I didn't even know how to crop it. Was it. Shocking. <laughs> we were shocking. I just went back to my first TikTok and I put on. It's horrendous. The filters, the transitions, uh, and just in the matter of months it's it's night and day so uh we all go through the growing pains 100 percent, no harm 100 i got one last thing one uh to ask you it's the time of year thanksgiving to christmas where people may struggle with their mental or physical health i am one of those people coming off of thanksgiving break thankfully i have good friends and jason was able to open up about some things that just i was feeling uh can you leave us with a tip for people at home who may be experiencing some sort of mental or, mental or physical health in the holiday season. Holiday season is great for a lot of things. It's also not great for a lot of things. So uh, I know you love to speak on this stuff. Obviously, you talked about your fitness background and wanting to help people in their journey. Any mental or physical health tips uh, for people around the holidays? Yeah, I think uh, around the holidays, again, depending on where you're at in the country, but uh, a lot of places it gets colder, people become less active, people eat more, they're celebrating uh, with friends and family. And all of these things lead to their physical health declining, not getting outside as much, not getting sunlight and you know, just overindulging in food. I think though, my always advice is to enjoy those moments with friends and family because we don't do that all year. We really don't. And I don't think we should feel guilty for engaging in that, for having fun, for if you overeat it at Thanksgiving, if you did that, okay, that's fine because you're not doing it year round. And I don't think we should feel guilty about it because we should focus more on spending that time with loved ones and understand the importance of it. Because I think the relationships are what life's all about. Um, if I was the only person living on this planet, you know, what value would I have? That's where I think it's so important that we're mindful that these days during the holidays are meant to be spent with others. And, 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 and if we're, if we're just thinking about all the bad things we're doing, we're not going to be able to just focus on that moment and enjoy that time with our loved ones. So my, my advice is be more mindful of, of appreciating the time that you're having with your loved ones and prioritize that and, and try to keep positive thoughts and say, you know what, sure. I ate a little bit too much there, whatever. I didn't work out as much, but I got to spend three or four hours of quality time uh, with my loved ones and that I can't get back. And I, and I will be so thankful for it. So I think it's just re it's reframing the mindset during the holidays is, is my bit of advice. Love it. Yeah. I think so well said, and it's such good quality time. And even I think about time and, uh, with my parents and Caitlin, some friends that we got to see over Thanksgiving. I'm like, it just went so fast and it was so important. And even like during that time, I think about like same stuff. Like I'd feel bad about things or I don't know, whatever. I just had a little on my mind or maybe I got in an argument like with dad or mom that I wish I didn't get in. Cause like that, I don't know. It's just such quality time and don't hold that and just enjoy it. And you know what? 
you know what, David, for Christmas and the holidays coming up, we'll be that much better. We won't care at all and we'll be fully ready to go. How do you feel about that? That's right. I'm ready to rock. I love it. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up. I also want to put this out there. I think this is a very fair comment. Uh, Obviously, on this podcast, we get into more business, life navigation, uh, money management, but... Clayton alluded to a little bit like the journey, at least on The Bachelor, uh, wasn't the easiest of journeys. And I will just say independently, I've got to know uh, Clayton over the last uh, year or so. And uh, Clayton, I just I truly think the world of you. I think that you've handled the adversity amazingly. You've bounced back. You've, you're, you've, you've pivoted eight times without having ego uh, get in your way. And you should be so proud of that. And I know going through like, I, I don't know, but going through a public breakup, I'm sure was just extremely taxing. And I got to spend about a week or so with uh, Susie for Cleo's wedding in Mexico. And independently, Susie also is an amazing person and, you know, speaks so highly of you. And I just wanted to end it because I know we do probably have some Bachelor listeners that don't listen to Training Secrets every episode. And I just want to say through my experiences with each of you, uh, it's really been such a pleasure getting to know you. And I truly wish you all the continued success and anything we can do to help. Please, please let us know. Uh, I really do appreciate that. And I think you guys, you, Caitlin, so many others have been, you know, that support system that I didn't realize I would have with me as I went through it. And Susie was, is an incredible person that got me through so much as well. So it's, it's been really awesome to see people come together and who kind of caught me when I fell and picked me back up and dusted me off. So thank you so much for what you've done as well. If you are back, uh, are you going to be Nashville area next week? Yes, no, maybe yeah, so. Yeah, I'll be back. I'm going to message you that I'm, I'm heading over that way. So I'll shoot you. I love it. We'll get a little workout in David. Anything else before we wrap up? No, I'm good. I'm all good. It was, uh, it was great uh, listening to the episode and it's nice having the uh, guests come on the recap. So welcome. We're going to get a workout in uh, next week. No doubt about it. And we are going to close the bell here from Carousel. We are at Sandals Resort in Carousel. We thought we were going to Turks and Caicos. That's a whole different story. Maybe we'll save it for next week. But guys, thank you for tuning into another episode of Trading Secrets. One, hopefully, you couldn't afford to miss. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.